Welcome to Triumph and Disaster, a show dedicated to manly creativity and culture. Brought to you by your host, Cameron McHarg. Hey guys, it's Cam. We're back. It's been a while. Got another episode of Triumph and Disaster here and... Today, I have Luke Westman, who is a world-famous tattoo artist, a designer, and influencer. He was, um, he was a guest judge on Ink Master and Spike TV. Um, he tattoos a lot of uh, pro athletes and celebrities, and uh, he, um, he was actually on the, uh, the, best, what is it, the, best, uh, the best-selling cover of Ink Magazine of all time. It was his work on that. So, uh, big tattoo artist and a super, super cool guy. Really, really a cool episode, and I'm really um, I'm happy to kick off this new year with uh, with him. And um, I've been away for a long time, been away for months, and uh, there's a bunch of reasons for that. Um, and I'm thinking about maybe doing a couple episodes uh, about that. Uh, you know, I'm not really one to, I don't really like to just talk, just me. That's why I usually don't have big long intros and, and outros. You know, I just like to cut to the chase. But um, there's some things that happened last year, some 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 really really big events in my life, and then I might do some short individual podcasts on that. And uh, another reason, and it's sort of related to that, why I haven't done it in a while is I haven't, you know, I don't really do this full time. I don't do this podcast. I don't make a living from it. Um, I ask for you know PayPal donations just to keep things rolling, but. It takes it takes some effort. It takes some time and money. It takes you know it takes time for me to uh, put each of these things out, and um, so I don't always have the time to do it. But I would like to do more, and um, I'm doing this more because I love it. I I, I believe you know in, in what this is all about, and um, I have really cool guests on that I I think it's uh, it's something valuable to share these conversations that we're having. I I love to share them. I think you can get something out of them, at least as much as I do. At least I hope you would. And uh, if you feel the same way, here's the deal. I'm going to set up a Patreon account. So it's going to be patreon.com, patreon.com forward slash triumph and disaster. You can see I wasn't like reading off a script, <laughs> but it should be set up. It's set up most of the way now. So by the time you hear this, it'll be ready to roll. So if you go to patreon.com forward slash triumph and disaster, you'll find the page. And uh, so what I'm going to do there is, is ask uh, for like uh, to become a, a patron. And uh, I hope you guys do. And then maybe kick in like two bucks an episode if you feel like it's worth it. I feel like it is. And um, and also I'll set up uh, an option for like a monthly, like let's say it's like 10 bucks, like 10 bucks a month. And so what I'll do, what I'm going to start doing is, you know, I'll get you, I'll probably get you like a Triumph and Disaster t-shirt, something like that. Uh, when you get to the site and look at it, you'll see what it'll be for sure. But I'll also offer like live YouTube Q&As. So after we have our conversations or maybe even during, I might YouTube live stream these things, the actual podcast. And then afterwards, um, after the podcast recording is over, I'll go ahead and have a live YouTube thing that you'll just be able to see if you're a a patron, if you're a monthly member. Um, so I'm going to do some things like that and some, uh, like other special things that will just be for, uh, for patrons of triumph and disaster. So the podcast will still be free. I'm just asking, you know, to kick in a couple bucks for it if you feel like you get some value out of it at my Patreon. And then I'll have extras. I'll have Q&As and stuff like that with my guests. 
and some other things that I have planned that um, you'll only be able to see if you're a, uh, a monthly patron. So please go check it out. And uh, yeah, here's Luke Lessman. Enjoy it. Hi. Yeah. Hi. Welcome to my private studio. Now it's an undisclosed location, though. I don't like to tell people where it's at. Yeah. No. Yeah, just give it a little something, give it something extra, you know. It's uh, it's in a big warehouse, so I had to have some flair in there. I used to have a huge uh, flat screen up there, but when I was tattooing my clients, we were just so close to the damn screen that I, I took it down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So like if, like if, like if, for most other talks or other people like I, I don't like let's assume that people don't know who we are what to do. Yeah, but, most uh, people don't. So yeah, I mean I'll do a very official. My name's Luke Westman. I'm a tattoo artist. Um, but I'm a, uh, what else? Um, I mean I've been. T- yeah, I mean, I do a lot of other things. Like, I try to get my hands in as much stuff as I can. Um, but I've been tattooing for about 18, 19 years. So I've been cutting people and leaving permanent marks on them <laughs> for 19 years. But um, a better way to say it is I, I give people a way to express themselves in such a profound way, you know, by putting art on their bodies. And it, you know, could represent anything from a death to a life to a job to a favorite team. I mean, there's just so many reasons. So. Not to make it sound like I have such an important job, but it is an important job, you know, translating somebody's, uh, you know, emotions onto a piece of art onto their body. So I've been doing it almost 20 years. Yeah. I mean, those, those, those were so fun. I mean, to me, that's like that anytime I hear a story of like, Oh, I was with my college friends and I got this stupid tattoo. We were all drunk and they downplay it. But I'm like, that's cool. Yeah. That's special. Like that trap, that moment in college with your friends on in that stupid little, whatever it is, you know, strawberry on your butt or whatever, you know, like that is a special moment that's locked into that little tattoo. So I think people, um, disregard how how cool it is to have a shitty old tattoo yeah yeah and a timeline stamp you know so like if i look go through all mine i mean my whole body is covered and each one can take me back to a time or a place a city a country um so there's a lot more to it than just yeah a drunken night or i did a couple i so the first night, I mean, I, I I had a long apprenticeship where I, I waited about a year and a half to actually have machines and tattoo after working in a shop for about a year and a half, being like a helper and a go-getter. And a, it's, yeah, more of a classic traditional way to get into tattooing. Um, so when I first got my hands on some machines and a little setup in my apartment, I tattooed the top of my knee the first night, just kind of like uh, excited. 
Yeah, yeah. So it's pretty big too. It's pretty big. I mean, definitely bigger than the size of a softball. And I just, you know, it hurt, but I was so excited and I was young that it was just really cool. So the next night I did the other leg. <laughs> so now I, and then I started another one right on the other side on the left leg. Um, the first one I did was like a handshake, like a classic handshake, just like two handshaking and then a couple of really shitty roses around it. Yeah, I did it. I did it upside down. I mean, if you draw the stencil and then you kind of lay it on there. You just follow the grid, you know, so um, and then you try to do some shading. Uh, and then the other one on my other leg is just an outline. It still hasn't been finished. I don't know. It may never. Really? Yeah. I mean, I started it and it's just, you know, the, yeah, the older you get, you know, the, the more they hurt and uh, the more it becomes a chore to finish a tattoo. Then, the, you know, the excitement is wore off. I've my, my whole body. I've been beat up. <laughs> I've been tortured. <laughs> Oh man, I was, I was so nervous. Um, I tattooed my older brother. He's a couple years older. So luckily I was, you know, somebody I knew very well, but what from, from doing it on myself and not really caring how it came out, just excited to like realizing how serious and permanent it is on someone else. And then their blood, it was just like, it was heavy. I was like, I don't know if this is for me. I was like, this is really intense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all these years later, I still feel that way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, you, you try to be confident and casual, but it really is such a big deal every time for someone, for them. It's, you know, in most cases, I, I, for some reason get a lot of first timers or a lot of people that don't have a lot of tattoos. Um, I don't know if it's just my market or what, but you know, I get a lot of actors and people that are just really selective of what they do on their body. So, um, I try to remember how serious it is and not just be like, Oh, I'm the shit. I've been doing this forever, whatever. You know, it's like, it's still very important. It's very important for them, you know? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, when I started the end of the nineties, early two thousands, it was still, if you were a tattooer, you had to be able to do everything that came in the door to make a living. It was before, you know, maybe, um, fast forward 10 years and then selective art styles kind of came, became more prominent where it was like, Oh, this guy does this and this one does this. And this only does portraits. Like when you're in that street shop, um, pre, you know, before the internet, if you cut, if a guy comes in and wants graffiti lettering, you figure out how to draw graffiti lettering and do it on them. If they want traditional, you do traditional, um, you want new, they want new school or biomechanical, you just figure out how to do it. So you become a more well-rounded, um, tattooer. And now people really kind of find the specialty and go to their artists more selectively, but I still think a good artist can do almost anything. Yeah. Yeah, Sailor Jerry-esque. Um, I, you know, I came into tattooing. I started getting tattooed in, in my friend's garage in apartments and really wanted to look like, wanted to look tougher. I was a skinny white kid around a lot of gangs. And I, I so my ideal tattoos were anything prison looking. So, you know, I haven't been, haven't been to prison, but, you know, I wanted to look a little tougher. 
Yeah, yeah, totally. The neighborhood and and uh, old English and whatever. Um, so that was my goal to see how you know it was armor. I, I kind of like to explain it as like I was trying to get armor, you yeah. know, for where I was. And um, so I was really interested in black and gray and fine line and LA style and. Um, but then I found my way into actual tattooing in a really traditional shop, a really famous old school shop. It was called Lucky's downtown San Diego. Um, yeah, a lot of sailors and Marines totally. And the owner, he had came from the Pike, which was a really, really well-known, um, area was really busy with sailors and there were some really famous tattoo, uh, tattoo shops in particular, Burt Grimm's. And that's where my boss came from. So, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so traditional became my forte just because that became where I grew up. You know, it's, it's so much of it has to do with where you come into what you do, right? Like I could have came into a shop where all they did was realism and that would be all I know. So I'm thankful, you know, I came into traditional classic tattooing, which I still believe is the foundation of like tattooing as an art form whereas you can branch off to other styles in tattooing but traditional just seems to be the core yeah 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 and and you can still maybe make out a little bit what it was a lot of the new school stuff you won't be able to make out in 15 20 years because it'll just blend or you'll have to keep getting it redone but old school tattooing is hard lines hard shading definitive designs that last so that's kind of what always draw, drew me to it. I grew up in uh, Oceanside, which is North County. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, Camp Pendleton. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when we grew up, it was full of everything. Uh, you know, they outlawed it. So I think in the 50s, I mean, I could be way off, but it, it, there was a lot you know, early on, a lot of sailors, prostitutes and tattoo shops. But then as the city tried to do some kind of cleanup, part of that cleanup was get rid of the tattoo shops too. Cause that was, yeah, I mean now it's coming around and I have a friend that has a few shops and it's, he's preserved some of the old history in Oceanside and there's a lot of like tattoo history there, but for a big chunk, maybe fifties or sixties to the early two thousands, there was no shops. There was like one shop that got through the, the city, but it's still really hard to get a shop there. Um, yeah, just like bordering. Yeah. Like 50 minutes, 40 minutes from San Diego. Um, yeah. 50 minutes North of San Diego. And it's just a small town that had military gangs, Mexican, black, Samoan. It was, uh, maybe 150,000 people, but just a mix, a great mix working class. Um, but, you know, gangsters on the beach. So I got into surfing luckily and not into gangs. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's totally. 
Yeah, yeah. That was your currency, your loyalty and your respect. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a, that's a great point. I mean, growing up like that. Yeah, I've, I have found that the people that I've grown up with in that era, in that place, I definitely have a certain set of standards and morals that, that uh, maybe I haven't ran into in other places like Miami or New York or, I mean, I'm sure there are, you know, people that grow up together, they have, they have their own bonds, but there definitely was something in the water where it was like the code, right? Like you kind of like respect the code of friendship and loyalty and, and yeah, you carry it on throughout your life. It's good stuff. Yeah. 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 Wait, where? What city? What city was that, or what area? Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Blue collar. Yeah. Yeah. You still have family there? Or? Yeah. 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 Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Oh shit! Put you on blast. <laughs> Yeah. 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 Kind of what this whole thing, this whole thing is about, is about like the idea of like um, still being from there, being like the guy who has that moment that I'm still being creative. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with it, like if you don't die, there's not like a conflict with those two things. Yeah. And this is so I like to talk to guys who. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes people just need like a an okay, you know, 
from someone they may respect or, or you know, see as not a, a pussy or whatever that means, whatever that means, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I like it. I'm glad, you know, I mean, I, I grew up with a weird, like I have hippie parents and, and grew up around street culture and without them, but all my influences, you know, make us who we are. And, and, uh, I had, I had this time where I was really young and I'd go to the library, you know, old library days, you know, that was our, that was our Google. So, but I really got into reading about, um, like Japanese warriors. And there, I remember this one book about Bushido, like a Japanese type of warrior. And, and there was something that always stuck with me. It was like, they were warrior poets. So it wasn't like they were just tough. They were also like artistic and, um, affluent in, in different ways. And I think as a young kid that really stuck with me and I was like, Oh, I don't have to just try to be this tough guy. I could be a rounded human and, um, try to enhance other parts of myself that the neighborhood wouldn't let me. I mean, I got made fun of if I used big words, you know what I mean? So you had to like use slang and like act like one of the dudes, but I always hated that because that, that's so limiting. It's limiting in your mind and it's limiting in your opportunities. So yeah. You know, unfortunately I haven't been back enough, but um, I just been traveling. I, I lived in Miami for, you know, five years and was working there longer than that. And then lived in New York for six and um, just been gone. So I just got back into the area a couple years ago and, you know, had a big back injury and all kinds of shit. Life just took me, you know, my path kind of wiggled around and yeah, crazy. Not on mine. I mean, it's, it was one of the biggest moments of my life. Spine surgery, like pretty heavy, like, um, just from leaning and sitting and tattooing for so many years, kind of started having bulging discs and, uh, just a bad back. Like most artists and tattooers, a lot of them do that have been doing it this long. You hunch over your client and you're not really engaging your core. So you're just slumped over kind of like I'm sitting right now, <laughs> but you know, you I know, I know we're all standing, sitting up straight now, but like you, you know, I was working, you know, obviously when you work for yourself, the busier you get, the harder you bury yourself in your work. And then the less, you know, I'm taking care of my body, the less I'm surfing. I mean, I used to do jujitsu and surf and run around and, and I just got busier at work as an artist and sat more, you know, tattooed and then worked on paintings and just like threw my body into my desk. And, um, yeah, when I was living in New York, my back just went out and then I had a whole run of like nine months where I couldn't, couldn't stand up straight and was on a cane and looked like an old ass man. <laughs> so, um, well, I mean, I got this surgery, a friend of mine, a really good tattooer, Tim Hendricks had a similar surgery. He just found this doctor in Germany. So, you know, everything we we see here in the States is a spinal fusion. If you have like a big issue with your, with your discs, they, I don't know if they just take the disc out or, or fuse it. They do something where they just put the bones together basically. And this guy in Germany has been doing this 10 plus years where he, he developed a artificial disc kind of like, looks like a little Oreo cookie titanium, two titanium pieces and a little center that moves. So my friend did it a year before me and had a similar thing from tattooing and life and uh, had such great success that, uh, I knew where to go. So I sent my MRIs to this guy in Germany that, and, uh, on the faith of my friend's success and just kind of hopefulness, I went to Germany, had two weeks there and changed my life. I mean, I'm surfing again and hiking and tatting nonstop and trying to pay more attention to my posture, but, um, it's Dr. Ritter Lang. 
Yeah, it's a it's it's Bremen, uh, Bremen, Germany. Yeah, Ritter Lang. It's called the M6 disc, and I know so many people have back injury, and um, it's changed my life. Like people go in there like crippled and come out dancing. Like it's like a crazy. Like, you know, here in the States, I think we all know, I mean, so much of, I don't think all medicine is bad, but it seems like so many, um, so many practices just try to get you kind of pilled up and in a, in a, in a harsh way. I mean, I think, you know, a lot of doctors do try to fix you, but we're not, our system's not set to fix someone. It's set to keep them coming back. Right. And to get them on pills and indirectly or directly. I don't know. I mean, who knows? Um, but I really feel like that they're meant, they try to fix people there and, uh, a funny thing, the doctor was really cold. He's a German guy, so he wasn't like easy to talk to. But his staff was really nice and easy to talk to. But I had one day with the doctor before he did my surgery, and I said, "You know, how are your patients like ten years down the road? Like, how are they living with this thing?" And he said, "I don't know." No, he said, "I, I don't know. I don't see them. They're fixed." He's like, "I don't hear from them," and it was like this really cold but cool answer, you know, where it was like, "I don't need to go." He's like, "They're they're they're fixed. I, I don't see them. They're not coming back here." Yeah. And it was, it was a cool, it was a cool answer that was in a weird way. Um, yeah. So that was a big adventure. Had a great, you know, yeah. He's like, you, you're fixed, man. Like, and I, and I think he has something like 90 some success rate, like 90%. Um, you know, there's always complications in, in that it's a man. Yeah. So, but it was a great thing. I mean, anybody that's got back injury should definitely look into that. Yeah. Dr. Ritter Lang, the M6 disc, it's like life changing. There's a couple countries that do it. So Spain is another one. They do it. Um, and then G Germany, I don't know if there's other places, but those are the two that I heard of. And, and uh, a few of my friends have now been to this doctor and have had success. So that was a great, I, I always say it was like my first real vacation. You know, when you work for yourself, you're just hustling, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you're working. And so this one, although it was for an injury, I was laid up. I was watching Netflix. I had nurses. I was like, I'm relaxing. It's such a weird like way to look at it. But I was like, I had a great time. Um, well, now I'm just trying to like watch my posture, pay attention to my health again, you know. Yeah, I've been surfing a little bit. Um, I have a crazy surfing knee injury, <laughs> so jujitsu has been a little hard. Just because I can't bend, I lost range of motion. I hyperextended it. Surf. I'm, I'm getting old, man. I've been living. <laughs> you know, <it's, laughs> so as much as it's bummer, it's like at least I've been doing shit. You know, someone's got a cool quote about going to the grave. Like they don't want to go there all pretty and and healthy. They want to go there scarred and like slide in. You know, you heard something like that, yeah. Yeah, you know, and I'm like, all right, that's me. You know, I got some scars. I've lived, I've traveled, so, and I'm only halfway there almost, so I got some more scars to get. Yeah, so. Yeah, it's a whole mix. Um, well, so. Uh, my, so my brother's company is violent gentleman. It's a hockey, it's a hockey lifestyle brand and he fell into it. He used to do, um, he actually might be someone great for the podcast too. He's a funny, great guy, but so his, 
his clothing brand, he's always been a graphic designer, worked for like some surf companies and, and just been doing graphic design. But on the side, he always did um, Brazilian jiu-jitsu and he was really into it. He was with Team Rampage. With uh, Him and Rampage were really close friends. Uh, team Punishment with uh, Tito Ortiz back in the day. So he was really connected and he's such a likable guy that a lot of those guys loved training with him. So he was able to train with them, travel with them, but also do his graphic design on the side. And um, so he kept that up and then fell into a relationship with a pro hockey player, this guy George Peros, who was an enforcer. He played for the Ducks and um, a few other teams before he just retired. But they formed a company, him, George, and their other friend, Mike Mike Hammer. And um, they kind of found themselves in a lane that no one else was in. They found this lane where no hockey is a huge sport in a lot of places like Canada and yeah it's huge but nobody was doing like a lifestyle brand based on it or nobody was doing a successful one and so they came with a little bit of like maybe California flavor and and design knowledge and and design cool shirts and and had the backing of a real hockey guy and the credibility of that and and my brother's partner was big in hockey um, just a huge fan. And so that just worked, you know, sometimes businesses just like fall into place cause it wasn't something they planned. It just kind of fell into place on accident. And now they're four or five years in and, and really growing fast. So they have a big warehouse. I have a secret shop in there, which I don't tell anybody where it is. So I don't want to get too detailed on the, the city or anything, but, um, people can kind of figure it out. But, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This people have been up here for like years visiting and didn't know it was here. It's been here about three years now. So um, yeah, so the hockey brand and um, my brother being so big into jujitsu, he does uh, like a private kind of jujitsu club in the secondary um, warehouse that we have here, and um, gets a lot of like big time black belt guys just kind of coming to roll and have a good time. And who? Oh, oh yeah, I saw in the. Yeah, uh, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure my brother either knows of him or knows him. He's uh, he's only a brown belt, but he's he's very distracted with kids and a company. So, yeah, I'm gonna get back out there. Maybe just throw a knee brace on or something. Yeah, yeah. I used to be good, but it's been a long time. I, I stopped. I used to um, I used to roll when I was like 18, way back when it was UFC was kind of like a big deal or became something when it was first starting. And I started getting my thighs all tattooed up because I thought, oh, man, well, if I'm going to like I might fight. And if I want to f- get into do some fighting in little shorts, I want to look cool with all these tats. So I got distracted by getting tats and healing tats and not rolling and then getting and then getting heavily into being a tattooer. So I kind of faded away from practicing all the time so i kind of faded away over the years but it's cool that my brother still uh still does it and has a whole thing he, he used to corner michael bisbing a lot too um so he's he's got a, like a crew that you know still loves him and he's still involved in that world yeah yeah it is i got some 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 good people around me I'm trying to keep it like that that's been like my best lesson in life right like keep, keep good company no company or good company you know Yeah, it's interesting, man, with going through life, keep trying to keep friends, keep people that, uh, you know, because a lot of times people come into your life for re, for a season, right? And it's, you know, for, you know, maybe you're both in the same spot, you're both single and you're in the same city or 
whatever reason you need each other for that time so it's it's nice to hold on to the old friends you know because you can't grow old friends again you know the, so i just i do my best man i mean i've lost a few along the way somehow but i've kept a lot of them and i i plan to keep a lot of them and tattooing's great man it's a great platform because i do i have met some of my best friends tattooing because you're sitting here with somebody on an intimate setting for hours yeah 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 quickly man like they're they're laying there vulnerable they're hurting yeah yeah so it's a great i love the platform because i'm a soft-spoken guy i'm not out there running my mouth about shit but when i'm sitting in my my studio i mean i'm having good conversations like this um you know over over a tattoo or whatever so yeah it's been it's been good man I didn't. These, I know they're they're confusing. Just the filter on. But my friend in Brazil took these photos. Yeah, my friend. Yeah, they're photos. My friend Maza. He's a sort a rad fashion photographer and a rad human. When I was living in New York, we had an art show at um, the shop I worked at, New York Inc. And we had a big gallery showing of all his photos. And I was like, man, I love those. Man, I love those. I'd love to have those in my little studio. And I do. Yeah. Yeah. Right around the same time during the apprenticeship, it was kind of like, I mean, old tattooing, you basically like, you know, I mean, taking old tattooing way back. I mean, basically when you had a shop and you were an old school tattoo guy, there wasn't access to a lot of artwork. So you had to paint your own flash pretty much. And the more original hand painted flash you had in your shop, the more options there were for your clients. So tattoo and um, watercolor flash painting was kind of like synonymous, like it went together. So when I learned how to tattoo, even before that, I was learning how to paint flash and like tattoo style art. I mean, I had in my, in my apprenticeship, I had, I mean, I always drew, I had, you know, these hippie parents always pushed like drawing and creativity, which is, uh, you know, the backbone of any art, you know, it's just creativity, but learning how to do like tattoo art or the style that I was in, I started painting before I started tattooing and it was kind of the similar style. So when I actually did tattoo, I was ready to go. I knew no, no, I would have loved to, and I still think of it now. I just I'm so busy. Yeah, just be you know, fun to to get you know learn some techniques and different styles. Because I mean, now tattooing is so like across the board with Instagram. I mean, we used to, you know, you used to do some kind of art that you figured out how to do or a certain tattoo style, and maybe see something new in magazines like a month later, two months later. Now it's like instant in like a minute. So you see someone's post and you're like, oh, I'm going to do it like that. Or they'll do it. You know, if you post something, they're, they're stealing your style right away. So there's no like discovery and learning. And um, so I've been painting like tat traditional tattoo style art forever. But now it's just so common that it doesn't feel special anymore. And you can only paint so many skulls and roses and daggers. So I've been like in this weird in-between zone where I'm trying to find a new voice for my art. You know, my tattooing's, you know, you're always evolving or you're, you're working with what the customer wants or they're bringing in different ideas. So you kind of get forced to evolve in different ways. But when you sit down in front of a blank canvas or a piece of paper, you know, a lot of times you revert back to what you know, what you're comfortable doing. And yeah, I'm in a weird place trying to find a new inspiration. Yeah. Not really. It's tough because you, you know, luckily I've got a lot of clients, so I'm drawn for them. And it's hard to just sit around and doodle. And I got a lot of distractions, you know. I'm working on my Lost Art of the Gentleman stuff or 
clothing you know i always try to do a little bit of clothing stuff or you know i'm always got my head in a bunch of things trying to figure out different projects and yeah 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 i mean like i said my you know i've done so much classic tattoo design painting and drawing that it's like all not all i know but it, it really have to like look outside of your normal realm to find new inspiration i, I don't know i'm still looking you know i try different things i go wherever i'm wherever i feel inspired you know right now i'm doing a series of baseball bats so there's a couple bats around here, but the ones I have done are in a different place. And I haven't posted um, any pictures of them because I don't want people, you know, I don't want to inspire anybody yet <laughs> until I get a head start on them. So I've got a couple done, but, um, you know, it's, 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 yeah, I mean, there's so much cool stuff out there now. It's like I'm just trying to figure out where, what's what pulls me in as far as, like, finding new avenues of art. So, yeah. And then, you know, I always like clothing and clothing design, so. I'm working, you know, working on more clothing stuff and, you know, I, I built that, I built Lost Art of the Gentleman and it was only just like a blog. It was just like an Instagram account and it grew enough that I was like, oh, I have something here. There's people that are interested in this and that think like me. Yeah. Yeah. That's all it is right now. Yeah. And it's been for, I don't know, four years or more maybe. And, um, it's cool. Cause I kind of built a brand without a product or maybe the product is just the, the, the message. And it's kind of cool because it's such a foundation of like solid people that are just interested in someone else that thinks like them when it comes to like manliness or adulthood or morality or integrity. And, um, yeah, <laughs> it's like, you know, you writing the poetry, you know, back when you're a kid, you know, you kind of go where you're led and, and I, I just, when I was living in New York, I, I had been in some long-term relationships and then I um, was single in New York and it was just like women everywhere and excitement, nightlife. And so I was dating, I was dating kind of a lot and just kind of like was feeling the vibe of the dating and how wild it was and how promiscuous everyone was. And, you know, just, I mean, New York's full on, you know, it's everything heightened. So, you know, just the, how disposable everyone was to each other and you know tinder had just came out I, I didn't get to use it or anything but uh you know just disposable dating where you're just like i like this person maybe i like him a little bit maybe we'll sleep together and then you know go on to the next one or whatever and that was just kind of inbred and i just was like oh well this isn't really me and um i started posting kind of like gentlemanly things on my instagram but also like kind of like really nervously because i knew my friends would just be like yeah that's corny or you know how you know like the same thing you were kind of worried about when you you know your poetry got thing you're just like that's not cool or tough you know you're not posting a pit bull and a lifted truck you know what i mean and uh but i was like this is me this is my voice you know i like this kind of stuff this is how i feel and i'm going to be honest with my output and so i liked it but i also didn't want it to i wanted to make it live somewhere outside of just me it was like not just luke so i made its own thing its own page and started just feeding it and it just grew and it was great. Yeah. 
probably more important right now maybe than ever. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the under-the-surface shit, right? Like, yeah, right. Yeah, so there's the classic chivalry and, you know, now the definition and, and, you know, like even there was a good Kirby Enthusiasm episode about him holding the door for someone, you know? He was, like, reading the person. He's like, is this person going to get offended? Is this woman going to get offended if I open the door for her? You know, and, like... It's a tough time. I think it's a great time because it's going to clear all the bullshit. You know, I mean, the guys like Weinstein and like there's going to be a lot more of that because I feel like everyone in that every man in that generation with power was most of them were, you know, abusing it when it comes to that kind of thing because they could. But then the, the question arises of like how much accountability do you hold someone for 20 years ago for a boob grab, you know, or I mean... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a big gray where it's I mean you want to support you want to support the women that are bold enough to come out against the creeps, you know, but uh Yeah. And there's a big difference between Well, I mean, the mob, man, we're so quick to throw stones, right? Like, even me, I'm, I hop in with the millennials, and yeah. Well, there's a difference between like a Bill Cosby, and then um, what's the senator that was on Saturday Night Live? Yeah, Frank, and you know, I, I mean, I, there's a huge difference, I think, from the little information I have, and he, you're not date raping, yeah, yeah. I mean, a criminal offense be, uh, against just making someone uncomfortable and maybe never doing it again to them. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, there's some, you know, there's great attributes of a man, right? Versus great attributes of a woman, of femininity and like all this beauty that a woman is. There's 
like men need to be able to flourish as, you know, as the, whatever that means, you know, um, the definition is blurry and it's very blurry now, but you know, Steve McQueen versus, you know, some, there's just, there's just a lot of, a lot of shit that's confusing everybody. But so anyway, my loss of the gentleman thing was always for me a way to define what I thought a gentleman was. And it wasn't, um, just a suit, a mustache. And, you know, like if you look at a lot of blogs that are gentlemen blogs, nine, 75% of what they're showing is like chicks, yachts, watches, cigars, and like these very basic versions of like man shit. Right. And to me, I just thought that's so corny, you know, and, and then coming from an unlikely source, a guy like me with the beard and the tats and a big guy and a very, I don't know. I don't know if I could say classic man look, but you know, man, you know, there's no, uh, there's no question on the pendulum where I'm at. I'm a very masculine looking man. Um, so I always, I like the idea of promoting the values that I thought that I've gathered that I thought were, were, were a gentleman beneath the, the basics shit. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, along, along these lines, I mean, it's all the conversations are good, you know, just to open up the conversations like this whole new era of this, this dialogue, um, it can be uncomfortable, but it's good. You know, that's how thing, you know, things change and grow. I mean, the, even politics, right? Like I grew up in a, in a world that it was like taboo to talk about politics. Couldn't go to the barbershop and talk about politics. Can't go here. And man, I think, um, as a contributing member of society, we all should, talk and discuss politics we need to learn how to oh yeah because it's cut and dry one side of the other yeah 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 yeah. I think we need to learn how to discuss uncomfortable things now. There's a there's a another quote, I don't know who said it, but it's like the aim of an argument or a discussion isn't to win or lose, it's to have a better understanding on the topic. And that's like right there, man, like I mean, that was great thing about tattooing. I mean, I'm tattooing in Texas and I'm tattooing a bunch of people that voted for Trump and I personally didn't, but I, I want to treat them with a hundred percent respect and also kind of wonder why. And it's just like anything you don't want to be an extremist, right? Like Christianity or yeah. 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 You can't lose, you can't lose your friend. I mean, there is a lot of moral issues with the, with our current administration, but yeah, I mean, you you gotta just work with your friends. You can't just cast them out because they're in, in something else. You know, a lot of people are losing losing friends over it, and I don't know, I don't know. Um, it's an interesting time, and but uh, yeah, I think dialogues are great. I think the more we can have some without pushing our our personal and listening. Yeah. Because 
Yeah, I mean, understanding. Understand empathy. Like empathy, I think, is like something that we all could use a lot more. And that's just putting yourself in someone else's shoes, right? Like, it's like everybody that, you know, voted for someone else isn't a bad person. They just saw things way different. Their road led them to a different kind of point of view. Um, empathy is a good one, man. It's forgotten. But, you know, we're all fucking clouded with uh, consumerism and craziness. Like, we're, we're our days, our minds are just over-consumed. So it's hard to just sit down and have open ears and an open mind in a conversation with someone that, you know, you know opposes you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Just, I, I do more than ever. I mean, you hear people talk about it, and, but I, I think it's so important to, to accept away from that stuff for a long time. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm guilty of it myself. I, I can feel bad for entire days. Just by like going out there and taking a look at something. Yeah. Yeah. The energy that comes off that. What is it? Yeah. Well, there's, you know, the world doesn't change by our opinions. It changes, it changes by our actions and our, our, um, and what we're showing, you know? So, you know, people are just throwing their things that fit their ideology out there and no one's really reading it, the opposing one. They're just finding one to counter it and go from there. But yeah. Yeah, echo chambers, man. We live in them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. I I, I don't know. <laughs> Historically, not being a very political person, but I've became a little bit more just kind of, there's a lot of, you know, shit going on. But um, I was kind of like, I felt a little, I felt weird when he won. Like, it affected my, like, I was like, holy shit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, we live in, in Cali, you know, we're a very liberal state and we're around a lot of stuff and our world is different than, you know, maybe a lot of people in the middle. Definitely no better, just very different, you know, but in a lot of ways, I mean, it's one thing I love about New York, you're, you're on the subway with every nationality, so they're not foreign to you. It's, I, my dad was like, you know, I don't, I don't talk too much politics with him, but he was saying something like, you know, the Muslims, you know, and I'm like, dad, have you ever met a Muslim? Like, wh where's the fear? Like, he's like, ah, no, but you know, I was like, you know, not that I'm cooler or better than I have, but in New York, you're, you're with them and they're not a foreign people that is trying to hurt you, you know? And, but that, that goes back to empathy. It goes back to actually being with someone. It's like, you can hate a gay, you can hate gay people, but then if you actually sit down with some that are great, you're like, why, why would I ever hate gays? But it's easy to hate something you've never met or never been around. Um, and, you know, there can be a lot of shelter in the middle of America. I mean, luckily on the coast, we're mixing it up. 
so we're forced to uh, see everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fuck, man. I mean, I, you know, I can't believe it, but I've been, you know, around the world now. And I never thought I would. I never thought I'd leave my neighborhood. But man, when you're when you go to places, you realize everyone. I mean, most people are the same. There's a little twist on them. Their food's different. Maybe they're darker skin, but everybody, yeah, like the family, the comfort, happiness, like work, pay, like there's not these weird, crazy, different people. They're just you know, you go there and you see. I went to Israel and I tattooed in Israel and I, you know, had this like little nervousness of like going there, like desert camel tanks bombs like what is this going to be like and fuck man like tel aviv they're you know it was just full of like happy fun loving people in the oceans laying out yeah yeah i was just surprised i'm like where where, we're in israel where is this there's like beautiful sea there's like you know beautiful ladies and great nightlife and just normal life or normal what i thought normal life was right like just normal existence so you know, but my my apprehension of going there was like, holy shit, what's this going to be like? Is this going to be weird? I mean, so far and like, but when you go there, man, I mean, Americans need more passports. They need to travel more because, man, it just opens up your eyes. You're close to everything. Yeah. 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 Well you, well, you go to New York. That's close. You get a lot of everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can visit New York. But, yeah, empathy, man. Sitting down with people that aren't like you. And there's a lot of good people that are different looking. Uh, yeah? <laughs> cool. Cool, man. Um, yeah. Yeah, Lost Art. <laughs> they're doing it. They're doing it good. I see them. I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, anybody that's interested in tattoos, just Luke Westman at Gmail. Um, my website, lukewestman.com, just has. You know, you can get to me from there and uh, see some of my work, see some of my work and see some of my blog posts and stuff. Um, but, yeah, and I'm in New York half the time. I'm always out there. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Texas a lot. I work with Oliver Peck, the guy from Ink Master. Yeah. I still tweet. <laughs> I don't think many people are, but I'm. Yeah, luckily I was able to get my my name. <laughs> it's not like Luke one hundred five, you know. It's just Luke Westman. L U K E. Yeah, yeah, Luke Westman, and then Lost Art of the Gentleman is the the gentleman Instagram. Yeah.
I mean, you can take a picture of the door. I, I just, you know, I like to not let people know the city it's in until they come and get work here. Then they kind of know and they leave with the respect for the secret. <laughs> yeah, my pleasure. So that was Luke Westman, you guys. I really, really love this guy. It was just it was a great conversation, and I hope you guys did too. So, if you want to check out his website, it's lukewestman.com. So l u k e w e s s m a n dot com. That's the same with his Instagram, Luke Westman. L u k e w e s s m a n. And then uh, Lost Art of the Gentleman on Instagram. Make sure to check that out for sure. Make sure to follow that. So. It's not the lost art of the gentleman, just lost art of the gentleman altogether on Instagram. So make sure to check that out. And again, um, please check out the patreon.com, patreon.com forward slash triumph and disaster and uh, become a patron. Got some cool stuff, some cool special things for you if you do that. And I really appreciate it. And um, we'll see you again next week. Thanks, guys.